Welcome to episode 871 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 871 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Olds. John just told me off. He said working on a public holiday. So it's Been Anzac Day here in New Zealand. So for those overseas, it's the Australian New Zealand Army Corps. So it's kind of our, what do you call it, military remembrance, remembrance day. day. Yeah. For all those. Do you know much about Anzacs? Oh, enough, but not enough to bloody start spilling off to other people. But yeah, we need to educate my kids a little bit today. Do you know about Anzac Cove and all that stuff? Yeah, enough. Pretty yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Have you ever come to New Zealand and you and you go to Wellington, one of the best things you can go do is go to Te Papa, which is our national museum, and they have the Anzac Memorial. And it's basically Weta, which is Peter Jackson's design or kind of special effects company. They put together... Have you been there? Mm. It's phenomenal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They have these massive statues and good storytelling, and it's a really cool experience. So if you if you're from out of New Zealand and you want to ever make it to our beautiful country and you get to Wellington, make sure you check. I that had out. a few hours in Wellington the other day. What were you doing in Wellington? Well, my plane didn't land in Nelson, and they turned us around and we landed in Wellington. But what were you doing in Wellington first of all? I was in Auckland. I was trying to get back to Nelson, and the plane couldn't land. Like two seconds before it was about to land, I said, "Whoops, sorry, not landing. Too much fog and rain." Went to Wellington. Had to stay the night in the airport hotel in Wellington. Uh, did they put you up? They did actually. I've got to give Air New Zealand big plugs. Here we go. Because I got off the plane. It's supposed to land at seven p.m. in Nelson. Yep. Wellington's not far away for in about forty minutes. Yeah. And flew over to Wellington, thinking, "Oh, this is going to be a right royal palaver." Yeah. And got off the plane. Big queue. Oh God. Here, here we, we go. go. Uh, but I was at the front of the queue for our plane. And they said, "Actually, all the people coming from Auckland come over here." Got off the plane at 7.30. I was in a hotel room by 10 past 8. Jeez, that's pretty good. Mm. At the airport. Did they give you food as well? No, but I'd gone so hard at the pro club. <laughs> I didn't need anything. So I was okay. Home Talk is proudly brought to you by... Our awesome patrons. Let's go uh, Paula, Wave Crusher Ryan. Sam, the Wild One Walls. And then we've got Ed, Unbreakable Schnitt. Actually, Sam did the Christchurch Half Marathon last week. So nice. well done, Sam. Okay, uh, we're going to talk about news in this week's show. We've got a hot topic of the week. Big piece of news, actually. We're sure you've all heard of it, but we'll give you our angle. Uh, pro of the Week, Coach's Corner. You did a marathon. I tried to do a marathon, had a fail uh, last week, but that's not really the point. The point is uh, sort of a question around, should you do a marathon before an Ironman? And just my advice around that, whether you've done an Ironman or not. A few factors are in that. But anyway, blast from the past, wing of the week, and we've got one, not question, but one email to respond to. So anyway, let's talk about the big news. I, John arrived this morning, I said, John, did you see that Charty has been done for EPO? And he's like, what? I was like, yeah. And he goes, we shouldn't put that on the show. And I was like, oh, no, he's put it on Instagram. And it's, like, out. it's out. <laughs> and you guys probably will have all heard about it, but pretty shocking when he was the big, one of the biggest names to rise through the ranks in fairly you know, shocking fashion when he won the USPTO Open. Nobody would have picked him to win that. And then he won Ironman Tromblanc. And this, this so is look a at, fairly if, good if, if we look at the last couple of years, so he kind of came on to the – now, what's his history? Did, was he a short course guy? Uh, I, I think he was a runner. Um that's that's a think, not a, a not 
done heaps of research on that. So if we look back to 2021, he had he had a, a decent year. He got um, he won a challenge race, a 70.3. He second in Ironman Des Moines, uh, in Des Boulder Moines. Des Moines. He got third in Boulder. And there yeah, was a late call kind of up into the Collins Cup. I remember this because uh, I'd never heard of him before that. He's pretty new to the sport. You know, he's done 2019, 2020, obviously COVID years, he would have done more. But then, uh, yeah, full steam into it in 2021. And somebody pulled out of the Collins Cup on the American team and he was over there as sort of a reserve because he was going to do the um, the Challenge Championship and then got pulled in. And I thought he actually did quite well. He finished 12th, which is probably not great. But I just seem to recall Considering thinking, kind of out of nowhere. Thinking, I've never heard of this guy. He's actually giving a really good fist to this. So then comes along last year, gets fifth in Ironman South Africa, which is a regional championship, which, you know, okay result. Did okay in Canada in 11th. That's solid in, in the PTO race. Yep. Uh, won Mont Tremblant uh, in Canada. I'm oh, sorry, um, won that race. And then basically three weeks later, takes out the US Open. Yeah, in impressive fashion, like just ran the house down. And that was a race where it was extremely hot. He's a smaller guy, so performed really well. And he's noted, he's always a, a fast runner, but on this day, uh, he didn't actually have the fastest run split. Who had the fastest run split? Jason West had the fastest run split. Jesus, he was 58, 54. He was a minute quicker. But Colin Chartier ran through the group. Uh, he had, you know, probably for him, I'm going to say possibly a lifetime best swim, um, hung with people on the bike and then smashed it on the run. And, yeah, insane. And you got to f- feel a bit for those guys uh, that were behind him. You know, he ran down Magnus Ditlev and Sam Long. Um, Sam Laidlow was fourth, and these guys have all missed out on potential prize money. Now, in his statement on his Instagram post, he says he started using it in November, which is after these events. So which, which is- I think we're all calling BS on that, to, to, you'd think. Wow, yeah. <laughs> um, hey, the, the, okay, will we give him credit? He's put his hand up. Absolutely. He's not bull crapping. He's not saying, oh, you know, I fell over and chipped my toe and put some drugs in me. You know, like, yeah. he, he's, he's taken responsibility. His statement's actually really interesting because he talks about um, intense feelings of pressure to win and expectations to win the big races in 24, alongside feeling unhappy with personal sacrifices I have made. In my mind, I thought to, I had to deny myself friendships, happiness, socializing, and having fun in training to be the best. I love the love of the sport. I lost the love of the sport. So, there's, a, uh, there's probably, you know, it seems pretty honest, but... Yeah, and he would have, you know, in, in terms of his income earning last year, um, you know, when you win an Ironman and you win the PS USPTO Open... And you're going to get better sponsors, got a few you? bucks on on board and you would have, yeah, as you said, you would have got some sponsors. I mean, he had a, Where it seems dubious, he's saying November, mm. well, 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 like things wouldn't have gone downhill, you know, like maybe he got injured and maybe he, had, he didn't have a great Hawaii, so, mm. you know, but... September to November is only eight weeks. Yeah, and PSO, US Open, I think that would have been 100 grand US, I think, for the win. Yeah. So you've made some okay money. You're 19th in the rankings. You get a reasonable end of year bonus. So financially, you're probably not on the bones of your ass. And like so, what, so that's where this is a bit dubious because if you're saying by November, so basically, let's say six weeks earlier, you've made enough money to last you for the next year. But, mm. uh you didn't have a good Hawaii, so that's a bit of a bummer. But what makes you think? <sighs> Having listened to, uh, we had a Kiwi runner test positive recently, oh, Zane Robinson. Oh, that's right. It was yeah. a few weeks ago now. And having listened to his interview that he did. And he was fronting up? Oh, big time. And like he was just. 
What, what, you didn't believe him? Or? No, I believed him, but he was like basically suicidal, lost all his sponsors, his marriage had broken down. He's racing against a lot of athletes that is, their nose are on drugs and there's just all these things. And after listening to that, and he was just, he, the, guy, the guy in the interview said, you know, this was like the day that it came out, you know, how, you, how are you sort of feeling about things today? And he goes, to be honest, I nearly went and shot myself today. And, you know, that just puts things into perspective. So I don't want to bag Colin Chardy. He made a, a complete cock up here. I do want to bag him, but but not to yeah. not the extent where we just vilify the guy and just... I just think that he shouldn't have said in November. Mm. You know, like... Maybe that's truth, though. <laughs> yeah, true. But yeah. it does seem bizarre that six weeks earlier you went into PTO and then six weeks later you make a decision to go into PTO. And the thing drugs. is, if you, if you... But if you don't say that, then... Yeah, because then now he loses Potentially that. you've got to lose all that money. So. Yeah. You kind of go, you'd be a mug if you said, oh, I've been taking it since July. Yeah. Okay, give us all the money back. Or you just don't say anything. Yeah. Just have been caught, you know. So anyway, unfortunate situation. He was actually being coached by uh, Mikhail Eden as well, who's... Uh, I don't Gustav, know much about Mikhail. It was Gustav Eden's brother who coached the... Oh. Uh, at least Gustav Eden for, for a long time. They're now being coached by one of the other Norwegians. But um, yeah, and so he, he feels shit about it as well. You know, it was a, a bit, probably a big brush, thing for, for those Norwegian coaches to start taking on athletes that they don't particularly know uh, as well. And when they've always just had their little inner group of Norwegians that they've known for a long time. So yeah, it's just a bit of a shitty situation. But um, okay, one question. thing is, good to know the testing's actually doing stuff. How, how many do you reckon we have? Oh, fuck knows. <laughs> <laughs> who, no, who, who would have a clue? I'm not even going to answer that because I wouldn't have a clue. I, I, I'd like to think it's pretty clean, but I might be just naive. You know, when you see the amount of Kenyans and, and uh, Africans that are testing positive now, oh, they you, quite, you always quite used to think, oh, you know, they're all Africans and they're just superhuman runners and you're just like... Uh, uh, see, I don't know much about that sport. Is it quite mm. prominent right now, is it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, so hard to know. But as I said, it seems it's, like the uh, the testing is at least uh, catching people, and that's and what pretty race did good he get caught at? I wonder. We don't uh, know. It was out of out of competition testing. Ah. So, in fairness to other pros, we don't see a lot of this. This is quite rare. Mm-hmm. You know, can we? Can you recall the last time we saw a drug cheat in the sport? Uh, yeah, there's been a few pop up, but not necessarily big names for a while. Like you wouldn't say Colin Chardy is massive, but he won one of the biggest races last year. So, uh, just off the top of my head, look. Oh, the one that always springs to mind is Nina Kraft, who won Hawaii yep. Ironman and tested positive after that. We had the, uh, um, the, the Spanish girl? Yeah. Um, what was her name? I'm, I'm, I think I know who it is, but I'm not going to name it just in case I get it wrong because yeah. you don't want to go cast aspersions over people. She was a short Spanish girl. Um, and we've had you know, br- uh, br- uh, you know, the Olympic champion, um, yep. Bridget McMahon and stuff like that. So there's definitely been cases, and there has been each year you'll see a number that come out a positive, but not necessarily um, race winners. Yeah, so sad mm. and disappointing. Um, and fingers crossed it's not something we see a lot of in our sport because we want the best athletes to win the races in the fairest way possible. So we did have a, a result happen over the last couple of weeks. We've been away. So we had Ironman Texas happen. had five slots. Five slots, $175,000 prize money. So this was a gold level So race. US, was it US Open? Or were they just called gold uh, level now? North American Championships. Yep. Um, and I watched it for about all of... Two or three minutes um, when I got up on our Sunday morning, it was on. I just I wonder what's going on there. And conveniently, uh, it was at a time where Rudy von Berg was leading the men's race and, you know, just plugging along. There was another guy, Robert, uh, I'm going to get his name wrong, uh, Vilkowicki, uh, who was in second place. And while I was watching, he actually caught up to Rudy von Berg, passed him, oh, put wow. a bit of a gap on him, 
And I'm thinking, oh, we'll see what the story is when, when I get back home and uh, what the result is. Epic race, epic finish if you're watching that. Uh, ended up only being uh, 21 seconds between first and third. So Rudy Von Berg reclaimed the lead and uh, beat Didn't out. How far out? I don't know, but there was 23, 21 seconds covering wow. them. And when I watched the finish line footage, he was like, gunning it in the last 500 metres, so I didn't actually go back and look at when the pass actually took. Um, and But uh, Robert hung on uh, to beat Matthew Marquaid, who was apparently seconds, was on, on Ironman debut, not uh, pro Ironman debut. I, I believe he won uh, Kona last year's first age group overall, I believe. Jeez, that sport's fast nowadays, isn't uh, it? You know, like, yeah, you know, these are kind of... Yeah. Average races nowadays, they're 7.44. Five guys under under eight hours. Yeah. Uh, so impressive racing. Good on Rudy Von Berg for uh, fighting and, and staying tough. But you look at the run times as well, you know, uh, all of the top six are under 2.50. Yeah. Um, it's kind of stock standard now, really, isn't it? It is, you know. You know? Um, Back in the day, if you're, a, if you're a low 240s, you're a freak of a runner. So Joe Skipper was the favourite to take the race out. I uh, saw a little post-race interview with him. He uh, had a pretty good swim. Uh, and he was biking up towards the lead group, and then it's kind of stalled. He said it was pumping out really good power, but then the front guys would just start pulling away from him. We know how strong Joe Skipper yeah, is, especially uh, on the bike. And then towards the end of the bike ride, he missed a turn off. <laughs> it sucks. And so it went the it's, wrong way, especially for a pro. Eh? Like we all feel stupid when we do that, but on a pro, that, that can be the end of your day. It is. Um, but you got to, I think for age groupers, you've also got to remember how fast they're traveling. Mm. So I was doing some intervals um, on sort of at the weekend. And, you know, when you're riding sort of 45K an hour, things are moving pretty quickly. Yep. And if you've got a sudden turn coming up or, or just something that's not quite clear, you go past it bloody quick. Yeah. If you're going at 30K an hour and you're kind of sitting up and you're not working that hard, it's a totally different feeling. Uh, so... Sympathies to Joe Skipper because you know he's, he's just had a just had a bloody baby. Travel across the other side of the world and you have a DNF. Um, the other one of note on the boys' side was Trevor Foley, who we interviewed a few weeks ago. I did check in on him um, when I was uh, before I was heading out on my bike, and he was looked like he was absolutely spanking the run. I think he'd run himself up to about sixth place, but clearly exploded because uh, he ended up in sixteenth, unfortunately. Okay, Christian, I have. Oh, so the females race, uh, Kat Matthews took it out. It was same thing. A similar thing happened there. Maya Stage Nielsen um, was leading when, and she had about a three or four minute lead when I went out for my bike ride. Come home, and Kat Matthews is uh, taken it out. What Kat, about that run? Kat Matthews ran two forty nine thirty one. Said she felt rubbish in the swim, rubbish on the bike, and was pretty grateful that she was able to put on a pretty decent run. So she was. Definitely the clear favourite, um, but still, you know, she's coming back from that crash, so you wouldn't necessarily expect her to be at her best. But she's punched a ticket for Kona, and along with uh, Jocelyn McCauley as well, who finished in third place. But Maya Stage Nelson had a fantastic race and a real step up for her. She still ran three hours and four seconds, which is bloody good, and I think a, a run PB for her, um, but not quite enough to beat Cat Matthews. John, we look at the men's racing. And, you know, we're, we're kind of, a lot of races we're seeing, you know, 240s, sometimes mm. even lower. Um, traditionally, back in the day, you know, a woman under sub nine was pretty impressive. You know, nowadays we've seen some, what, 816? Eight, uh, yeah, I think it's 818, it's a record. Something like that. So, um, and back in the day, a man's race, 810 was a really fast race, you know, mm. back in the day. So, you know, it used to be like 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Is that still the same between the females and the well, men? What do we look at here? Here we've got 35. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. it's sort of so the, the trajectory of speed for both female and male has kind of moved at the same pace moving forward. Yeah, I, I would, you know, when you look at the Cat Matthews racing there, when she's under path, she'd been on fire, maybe she would, might have gone 8.25, something like that, or 8.20 even. So it's about 40 minutes. Um, and Rudy Von Berg, you know, he's he's a good iron, well, he's not great at Ironman, he's a really good 70.3, really good performance. But, you know, if you had a real big dog there, you might have expected them to go a little bit quicker. So, yeah, I think if you look at, if you see it over an hour, you're going, that's yeah. a bit, uh, bit weak on the female side. If you see it under 40 minutes, you go that on the boys' side, that's a bit weak. Because if um, we look at the records, isn't it about 7.36 is the record for a men? Uh, oh, I don't know like that. that. I think it might be a little bit quicker than that. Okay. So, yeah. and the female's about 8.18. So it's again mm. about 40, 50 minutes. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, yeah, obviously... Speaking yep. of males and females' performances here, so we'll move on to. We're only going to mention some of these races quickly. Uh, now, Challenge Grand Canaria, I want, want to mention that because okay. Sam Lodlow, uh, who we all love to uh, either love him or hate him, but he is a weapon. He took that race out, which is uh, awesome. It was a really close race, only by 13 seconds. Yeah. Interestingly, they must have uh, beaten up Aaron Royal a bit on the bike because Aaron Royal is one of the best runners on sort of the 70.3 circuit. Still finished third, which is great. But um, Sam Laidlow uh, put him put him to the sword a bit. Patrick Langer, uh, he ran a little bit quicker. He ran a one hundred eight ten. Um, but I've got a comment on the females. Ann uh, Haug ran a one ten fifty nine. Now the course might be not be accurate, but when you go one ten fifty nine and the top boys are running one hundred nine to win the race, that's insane. That how is, close that, that is phenomenal, is. isn't it? And, and she's winning by... She won 12 minutes. 12 minutes. Yeah. So there's no pressure. Uh, and she, when she crossed the finish line, she didn't, wasn't like collapsing. Uh, God, that's impressive. And she's 40. So I think there's hope for Fredino. You know, 40, he's a couple of years older. But... Um, for, for, and, although it's saying that females tend to have a couple of more true. years at the end of their career. Mm-hmm. Um, she's 40 she? I don't realise she was that old I think that was the case Because I'm pretty sure I saw that in the headline If we click on her little name uh, Yes she is 40. Her birthday was in January 20th of January 83 She's won Kona once Hasn't she She has Yep But that is uh, Awesome last few years. performance And the cool thing is She's a tiny athlete Yeah um, But she's Really biking really, really well these days. So uh, look out for her later this season. So she took that out. Uh, Sam Laidlow took out the boys. Um, we had Ironman 70.3 in Peru as well. Yeah, Tim O'Donnell back in the, Good back CA. In the game. Because he must be Tim, he must be in his 40s. Uh, easy, I'd say. 42. 42. That's yeah. impressive. Don't think he's going to be a necessary contender, but you know, he's still got enough to be winning races and beating Igor, Igor Aminarelli by a minute. So that's pretty good. Pamela Oliveira took out the girls' race there. Um, another sort of interesting result. They had a race called the Pinascola Infantry, uh, and Pierre Lacour, one of the short course boys, took that out. Um, but on the female side, uh, Ashley Gentle had a bit of a bit of a poor race. She got only got third place, uh, being beaten out by Amelie Morier. Um, I remember her name from winning lots of the Zwift events uh, during sort of lockdown periods. But Ashley Gentle said she was just had a bit of a bit of a shit day at the office. Um, but she's got two weeks to turn it around before the PTO race. So obviously getting over to Europe getting in, in sort of in, in the zone, struggling a bit, but uh, her partner finished second place in the boys' race, Josh Amberger. And I think that was about it. Oh, it was a challenge Taiwan, Amelia Watkinson, uh, Kiwi, living in Australia, but still Kiwi, uh, won by 23 minutes. It's a domination. And Caleb Noble took out the boys' race. And Amelia Watkinson was one of the athletes that did get a wild card entry into the PTO Open in... 
Ibiza in a couple of weeks' time. Okay, speaking of that race, uh, PTO European Fields have been announced, and uh, it's only two weeks away, so it's going to be on the 6th of, uh, of May. Uh, some places in the world will be on Sunday, obviously, but uh, the field, the female field, is stellar. Unbelievable. I don't know how the hell you get much. The strength of field is 92.23. It'd be pretty hard to get above that because yeah. they've got uh, thir- 12 of the top 13 in the world. The only one that's not there is uh, Flora Duffy. Flora Duffy yeah. And the reason for that is you know, she's still focusing more on her short course racing. And the next round of the ITU, not the ITU, the World Triathlon Series is the weekend after this, I think. So uh, she's not racing, but. Everyone else is. Where's it the course? Oh, so what's awesome. the course like? Do you know much about it in Ibiza? Uh, no, I don't. Um, so, but Ibiza is traditionally a challenging kind of place to race. Uh, I can't. It's not going to be flat, I, and uh, it's often windy. Mm, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I haven't even I haven't seen any course details at all. Um, but it's being held the same week as the World Long Distance Championships and well, the World Long Distance Triathlon Festival. So yeah, everyone's rocking up. First race of the season for a lot of people. You'd kind of think that those that have already raced might have a little bit of a, a leg up. Well, Ian Hague's like in good running condition. Ian Hague, uh, Paula <laughs> Finlay didn't have a great ocean side, but Chelsea Sedaro is pretty good in ocean side. And the other big one to watch out for will be Tamara Jewett, who just killed it in ocean side off the back of a very good swim and a very solid bike. So, yeah, women's race should be fantastic. And we haven't seen, you know, Lucy Charles Barkley did make that comeback late last year and had a great end of the season but probably was not 100% um, so see her it just should be a really good dynamic because you have Lucy Charles off the front you'll have that group in the middle with the likes of Paula Finlay and probably Daniela Reef, and then you'll have that just some weapon runners like Anne Haug and um, uh, Laura Phillip will be in there as well and Tamara Jewett so should be um, should be a brilliant race and they'll hopefully they'll have the 20 metre draft zone again I assume they will I know they're using Race Ranger at the World Long Distance Championships don't know if they're using it in this race but if they are that could make it interesting as well so question John who do you think going to take it out who are you picking because mm. it's kind of that funny distance yeah I'm going to put my money on Lucy Charles Barclay oh really Right off the front. Might get a little bit of company. Somebody will ride up to her, maybe like a Paula Finlay or a Daniela Reef, and she'll hang on to their wheel, and then she'll outrun them. Okay. Men's race isn't as strong, but it's still pretty strong. 91.59 strength of field. Blumenfeld, Ditlev, Ladlow, Newland. So you're missing a couple of rock stars, so you haven't got... Um, uh, who is it? Gustav Eden. Gustav Eden. So just sorry, back to the females. One, two, other, two of the names that perhaps may be affecting the ranking a bit there is we do have... Flora Duffy, and then the other one that I've noted down that's not there is Taylor Nib, who could have a massive influence on the race, but she's injured, so she's out. Yep. Um, yeah, boys' side, again. Like, let's be honest, you're not going to get a better field than that in a female's race. You're always going to oh, have one or two who can't get there. Totally. You know, and that's, 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 that's what we want to see. And there's only a, there's a couple that have elected not to race at, in, the, in the boys' race, but Gustav Eden, he's focusing on short course. And we've got a good point out, Gustav Eden, you know, who really wants to get the Olympics, get the Olympics and get a medal, He's not even close to actually, he's moderately close. No, not really. He's not that close to even getting to the Olympics. Why? Because of the ranking system. And he's, his ranking is so poor, I'm pretty sure. So, so who have the Norwegians got for the Olympic team? Well, they've got Gustav Eden. They've got this other guy, 
Thor or Thor or something like that that's that's really good. Well, apparently he's got superpowers. Yeah. So he'll be <laughs> really good. And I'm not sure how Casper Stornis is going at the moment, but Gustav Eden, of the races he's done, he's been like at the back of the field. So, so A, it's he- a challenge for him to qualify. B, it's a challenge for him, bigger challenge for him to be competitive. But he, he, he don't... And Blumenfeld. Well, Blumenfeld's kind of... He's got a much higher ranking. No, he, but I mean like... Because they're going to... Oh, Blumenfeld, yeah, yeah. So they've got two athletes... Well, I think they've got about four good but, guys. But, but how many slots will they get? You can get three, two. can't you? No, they'll only get two. You're going to get two? Well, no, you can get three, but I don't think they'll get three. What do um, you going to get three? You've got to get... Just got to have lots of high-ranked athletes. Okay, like, and yeah, so they've got... So the French, have, French will have three. Um, who else will have three on the, the board Poms? side? Yeah, don't know about the Poms. Spanish so, will probably have three. Yeah, it's a bit... The men's is really diverse now. The women's is a lot easier. You go, Great Britain will get three... America will get three. Uh, is it? Is it? It's a three unfair. Mm, I don't think. No, no. Well, because you get a domestique. Yeah, but uh, we've never seen really a domestique doing much. A little bit in the last Olympics for Alex Yi, but prior to that, it's never been a factor. But you so, know what I mean? Like, if only two countries or one country get in the three. But then, at the same token, if you're good enough to be a thir- get three in there, you go well. Our third ranked athlete might might be tenth in the world. Yeah, you're okay. not going. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah, yeah. but that's the Olympics. Mm, it but, is. You know, the, the Olympics is, you don't get the best field at the Olympics a lot of the time, do you? No. In the triathlon, you generally do. You do? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, the boys' side of things, Gustav Eden's missing. Um, we've also got short course guys like Leo Bagier, who's missing, who could be a massive factor, but, you know, they're short course athletes. Um, you've got a few that have elected not to go um, Lionel Sanders, Sam Long, Braden Curry. Um, but probably, possibly the most interesting is Joe Skipper, who is actually racing in the world long distance champs, not the PTO race. So, his rationale, I imagine, is. Fifteen thousand uh, dollars first place in the world long distance champs, and versus you know let's be realistic, he's not winning the uh, the PTO race. He's just not strong enough, and it's, it's too short for him. If it was an Ironman, he'd maybe have a shot, but a short course uh, sort of PTO distance, he's not winning it. He's going to be too far back after the swim. So yeah, you might think a good day for Joe Skipper there might be tenth, and he, his rationale is going to be okay. Well, if I go and do the um, the world long distance champs, I've got a good shot at winning that, uh, and I will take home 15,000 as opposed to a lot less because the PTO race is very top heavy. The first few places are paid really, really well. It does pay all the way down, so that's great, and it does pay reasonably well, but he's probably going to earn more at the world long distance champs. And my question there is, is are you kind of biting the hand that feeds you because you're going, oh, I'm going to be a bit greedy here and go after this extra money here, Versus a PTO that's pumped so much money into our sport and trying to do so much for us, yeah. uh, and I'm kind of going, oh, I'm just going to be a bit selfish. And now ranking points, more. ranking points will be less as well because the strength of field will be way way less. Uh, so I think he'll he'll suffer on the ranking points. He's get, so, but the bonuses is he'll get some more prize money, assuming he wins and has a good race. And you get a label that's really good. Yep, true. Uh, on the downside, points will be less. So your ranking's not not necessarily going to improve. And that doesn't um, help you at the be- end of the year? Yeah, and that's because of the strength of field. So that doesn't help you at the end of the year. It doesn't help your ranking. doesn't help your chance of getting in the Collins Cup. Um, so I'm wondering if it's the smartest decision or not. Totally but in saying that, Joe does do a lot of racing. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's not like he does three races a year and he sacrificed one race for this. Mm. He puts a lot of races in a year, Good which means his points probably... Well, you've only got to, you've got to get three, your three, three good results. races. Yeah. And he's going to get one in... Uh, in Nice, when he goes there, you think he's going to get a good result? 
Well, you'd assume he's going to get a good result because yeah. you can't. If you want a good ranking, you've got to. Uh, don't know where he's going to get the other two two results from, especially given at the weekend he would have been thinking, "Well, I'll get a good result at Texas, and then I've just got to get one more in there." And where is he right sweep. now in the rankings? Um, not quite sure. Rankings. So uh, anyhow, uh, so that's a really interesting one. The other interesting one is Cat Matthews is listed on both start lists to do the PTO race and the. Uh, world long distance champs so I'm going to assume she's not going to do both okay so let's go to the men so currently because Collins Cups and we don't even know when it is it's, so it's it going to be in November okay so let's say November so Joe Skipper is currently 15th and how many people get in well the Europeans you know there's yeah, four so he'll, he'll struggle to get in as it is depending on what everybody chooses to do you know if you have Blumenfeld Eden Ditlev, Sam Laidlow, that's your four guaranteed. Well, they're the top four as well. Yeah. But if. if so it, maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's going, I'm not going to make it to the Collins Cup anyway. Hmm. So let's make money elsewhere. Hmm. I don't know. It's a tricky one. I understand both sides of it, but I, out of a loyalty thing, you'd almost go, I'm going to support PTO because he's a big name and he'll, he'll bring oh, exposure yeah. to, the, to the race. And he's great for our, for our hmm. brand. You know, like he's great for the sport. Mm. Joe's a legend. Okay, well, we're talking about the Collins Cup. Um, we, don't, we think it's going to be in November. We don't know where it's going to be. I do. <laughs> oh, do we? Do yeah. we, oh, we do know, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, because someone let it slip. But we can't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but what we can talk about is if you were to run, run like – if you were to make the Collins Cup a successful race, because let's be honest, everyone's finding it a bit boring. Everyone's a little bit dissatisfied with what it is. Well, maybe not everyone. Maybe some people are liking it. But if when we think about the purpose of the Collins Cup was to make the sport a bigger thing, I don't think it's really hitting the objective. So what would you do to design the Collins Cup race to make it more interesting uh, was kind of the question. So you can go first, Jumbo. Okay, I'll start from the bottom. And uh, Lynette and Tani make it a relay of teams. So I guess what she's saying there, you still have your six teams, but you tag between each, uh, oh, you have your three teams. I guess you could go male, female. Jesus, that'd be a bloody long event if you did that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, you can do that. In, yeah, but some some form of relay would be uh, would be interesting. Uh, by BJ Sports Tryation, that's what it says, and Daily Wellness says keep same teams, but mess start and hold on the Gold Coast so close down the roads like an Indy GP, short circuit style, crit style, spectators lining the course, create awesome atmosphere on the beach on the Gold Coast. I'm thinking he lives on the Gold Coast. I do agree that having a shorter laps spectators is is key. Uh, Roland Young, different race formats over two days. Day one, only 10 uh, persons, five men and five women in teams. Men's and women's individual matchups racing over the PTO distance. Day two, morning and Day two, a men's and women's two-up team time trial, swim, bike, run, 100k together. Think of it as as like a Cape Epic mountain bike race, uh, the team that start and finish together. Day two, afternoon you finish with a mixed relay, two men and two women. Um, You can start your athletes in any order. A swim, bike, run distance of 50k for each team. Um, Yeah, so looking at a two-day format rather than just uh, banging it out in one day. Johnny Fellas has got three teams of nine male, nine female athletes, three races, male, female mixed, with three from each team. So uh, so races of nine with 18 starting from the mixed race. 
Draft allowed but not limited to groups of three, with no more than two from any one team. Allocated points is 10 for first, 8 for second, and so on. In a mixed race, allocate same points for each category with two points for any female beating a male athlete from a different team, or 1.5 points for each female finishing within the time of a male of a different rat team, say 15 minutes. Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, Etienne Chevrier says a team picked by each captain, not determined by country. So I'm guessing what you'd do oh, there, okay. you'd have... Like a draft system. Yeah, you'd have all your athletes there that are going to be yep, the top, selected top. to be in there. So you, you know you're racing. And then you get to pick. So uh, Yeah, so Molina represents America. But oh, he doesn't represent no, no, not just by country. Religion. So you just end up with three teams. So I, I, it'd be a fun spectacle, but it wouldn't have that sort of rivalry between. But it'd make it regions. way more competitive. Oh yeah, because everyone's going to pick. You know, your first round, you're going to pick Eden, Blumenfeld, and Ditlev or something like that. Yep. And then the the last, yeah, it would, it would definitely make for even teams. Uh, John Weir's got Iron Draft. Legal Ironman, and then Hugh Chen's got our move as teams. Team of eight of Europe against eight of US, eight of internationals against each other. No drafting, but yes, team tactics. Only one out of the teams needs to cross the finish line first. Uh, Raymond Malig, just my opinion, and that's what this is all about, is just opinions. Uh, individual race, make it shorter. For longer distance, uh, do it in teams as race. I think cycling uh, I think cycling race kind of format would make it more interesting where strategy takes into play draft legal on road bikes too. Michael Good's got teams of two, one swimmer towing the other one along like in a dinghy, bike section on a penny for other things. Oh, he's taking the piss, mate. He's <laughs> taking the piss. Uh, Kenneth Henney's got same format but all start together. You're still racing the other two um, you are up against but the teams can work together in the race to help teammates and influence other races. Legal, draft legal, live action changing points tally, captains are much more involved in making tactical decisions, drawing coverage and mic up the athletes. Peter Colson, five laps on the bike, um, one kilometre laps on the run, uh, then you can have cameras and can pick up on all the athletes rather than just the leaders uh, and not focusing on the same three guys and three women all race. Do got to say is that... The last few Commons Cups where they're just TTing in a straight line was p- pretty hard to watch, yeah. even for a junkie like me. Uh, Luke Glimmer's got um, five races. Each team gets to nominate one male and one female. Super Sprint, Sprint, Standard, Half and Ironman. This brings the best of all distances. I would start the Ironman first while it's, uh, it's going. Start the 70.3 and the Olympic races and then the super sprint. So all events are going at once, but there's loads of for the audience to follow. Iron Race would be the final run, the final finish for the final day. Mick Simpson, um, I'm not going to read out all of his here, but he's sort of saying a, a draft system, and so different athletes are allocated different points, and you can only have you know so many points in your team. So um, Christian Blumenfeld might have a 20-minute point, be ranked as sort of 20 minutes, Next one might be Magnus Ditlev, a little bit less, and so on. And again, that's, I guess that's trying to have those teams to be more even rather than necessarily geographically based. That would be, it would be interesting having even teams. So it's kind of like a handicap system. Yeah. So you, if you're better, you actually get to race less. Well, no, I think you just what you. I think the, I think the end point is trying to get across is you want even teams. Um, and you can't just stack because Europe at the moment is just stacked with all the athletes. Um, and we can't see it changing for any time soon, can we? Yeah. Uh, Joseph Mulholes got any format with drone coverage, all athletes crossing across the event, and release the sharks 30 minutes into the swim. 
Yeah, so it's uh, it's an interesting one. And I've got some good points here. So John wrote down in our show notes, he wrote down some kind of questions to explore around it. So let's break these down. So first of all, you've kind of said here, what is good about the current format? Yeah. Not much. Not much, but for a purist, it is a pure form of triathlon. But even and as I a like purist, mm. but let's be honest, no triathlon three people against each other. No, but it's just, there's no drafting, there's, it's, I don't know. It, I, I do like the pure format. I like the concept, and I'd, I think it'd be more interesting if we had close races, but we just haven't had but, that. But I don't think three people racing you ever. You're going to get the, you're going to get two out of Random. ten. Yeah. So, but I, that's in a perfect world. That's what I because I've like. watched everyone, but what I've done is push play. Go. I never watch it live. Hmm. It doesn't really work first time of day so far. But hmm. you're fast forwarding through the races. Hmm. You know. So it's, it's currently it's for me. Not much that's good about the format. Yeah, I do, again, uh, what I like about it is you've got the three teams, so you do have this geographically based, you can kind of get in behind each other. If you do have those, just those random teams that are selected in some sort of draft, you're probably maybe not going to have that same sort of I cohesion. don't know, because if you look at like the IPL and cricket, mm-hmm. so the IPL, for those who don't know much about cricket, is an Indian cricket league, which is dominating cricket now, like it's mm. huge, and it makes so much money, it's poured a level of finances to the cricket that they've never seen before, and what they do is they do a draft every year, now I'm sure they get some stock players that they can keep every year, but basically the teams, like teams, you can play for one different team every year a lot in that, in that sport. But you're still back, your team that you're backing is geographically based. So it's like for us, if it was a Christchurch team, yeah, we'll have different players every time, oh, but we're going to back yep. a Christchurch team. So I'm thinking, yeah, if you're an American wanting to watch the Collins Cup, you're sure as hell going to back a lot more for Team America than you are for Team C, the Scorpions or whatever it might be or, or something like that. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, yep. Who's the market? But that, And this, this is the thing is I don't know who they're trying to pitch this to. It's because... In New Zealand, and I don't know what it's like elsewhere in the world, but we don't even get triathletes watching triathlon stuff, you know. Yeah. And this is, I, I, when I turned on the Ironman coverage from Texas, Texas the other yeah. day, how many people do you think were watching it? You know, because I got a little eyeball up in the top corner. In the Facebook this, thing. Is, this is the key part of the race, you know. It's probably, there was 10, 10 to 15 You'd hope, you'd hope a few thousand, maybe 4,000? 798. Wow. You know, and I'm thinking, this is an American championship race. It's a crunch time. It's a close race. It's not like it's all over, and there's 700 people watching. Um, so I think you've got to first think, who's your market? And your market, first and foremost, has got to be, how the hell do we get every single bloody triathlete watching this? Because but, but, but even if we expand it out, the, the real market they're trying to hit is everyday people. Yeah. Is it, so, so if you're going layering of capturing market, well, if they're not even capturing the real triathlon market, now mm. we don't know the numbers of the Collins Cup, we don't know what kind of numbers they're getting for the coverage. And we do know that they are getting TV rights deals. So that's mm. starting to happen. Um, doesn't but, mean anybody's watching it. <laughs> no, and it doesn't mean that they're like, you know, it's that thing of, I don't know, I don't know if it's still the thing nowadays. Do people still, when you say you're a tri- Ironman athlete, do people still ask you if you've done Hawaii? Um, yeah, I think it is. That is still the big thing. Okay. Um, so, like, now, admittedly, Ironman Hawaii is able for age groupers to be able to do so you know so that's a bit different because people can ask if you're public but ideally they want it to get where people Every generally second. know what the Collins Cup is and the majority of triathletes are, are watching it um, yeah because like we're talking about the, the numbers on um, Ironman Texas you had 700 when you go to the Kona coverage there's normally a couple hundred thousand people watching it mm. maybe a hundred thousand 
No, no. Let's have a look. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, it might have... I, I think it's more like 20,000. Okay, let's have a look. But I could be wrong. Happy to be wrong on that one. Yeah. So th- figure out who your market is. And you've got to look after the triathlon market first and f- figure out a way where you're going to get as many people engaged as possible. And then finally, what are you trying to achieve? So that end goal is obviously to try to get into the you know everyday um, probably athlete that, that a sports watcher. But at the moment, we're not even reaching the triathlon. However, on the good side of this, we're talking about it quite regularly, the Collins Cup. Uh, so I think the key thing is, yeah, which is kind of cool, we, we care. We're disappointed in it. Yeah, but we care as well. Yeah. Um, and we want it to sit, want it to see well. Um, I don't have a perfect solution. If I was sitting here, I'd just be harping on about it every week if I thought I have a perfect solution. I think this, but I actually one, think one idea that I had yesterday too, yeah. that I, I do quite like is get it innovative and maybe do basically do a Super League type Ironman where you do four quarter Ironmans, draft legal, Back to back, and you have some sort of primes. Um, so, it's in, it's it's a good idea to have a go on the bike. So, you know, if you get to a certain point on the bike, it's going to be worthwhile. You know, we see what how, how big a difference a short shoot can make in Super League. Don't necessarily agree with it, but hey, let's well, I think it's try. where they have it. Yeah, it's where they have it because they have it on the finishing line. Mm. You know, so they have it 100 meters from the finishing line. Now, if you had the short shoot halfway through the race. Mm. In the run, mm. where, the, where a good runner could still get back up, mm-hmm. but it's cost them a bit of a match to get there. Mm. That's, that's a bit different. But when you go into the finish, it goes a shoulder to shoulder, and one guy just goes, oh, there you go. <laughs> so imagine doing an Ironman four times, so roughly a K, what would it be, 45K on the bike, and you know, 10-ish K run. So 1K, let, let's say you do 1K, 40K, 10K, or, or something, something like that. Yep. Uh, that would be intriguing, how you would strategically and, and how, race it. Are you thinking that, Everyone races at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So it's not it's not a three on three type of thing. Oh, it's gonna you're gonna be out there all. I mean, you're out there all bloody day as it is. Um, but having a draft legal Ironman, I think just doing a 180k draft legal Ironman that would be a bit of a yawn. But having 40k and having some sort of incentive to go this first race, if I get to that 25k mark and I bloody yeah, make that more point on the you know say a hilltop point or something like that that's going to get me 30 seconds bonus on the run. Yep. It's probably worth an investment to perhaps try that. Uh, and you could, whether you do this as an individual format or not, and it's just a, the Collins Cup is not geographically, you know, it's just an individual race and it's end of season, big money, it's different to what we're used to watching. Um, but you could also potentially still have like Europe versus the rest of the world. Well, and okay. then you can maybe have domestics and that's when domestics might come into play. Because are you going to try to tow... Uh, let, let's say you had somebody who's a, a weapon runner. Uh, let's say Colin Chartier says yep. he's racing. Apparently he's not going to be racing ever <laughs> um, again. But you know, if he's off the back, do you drop somebody back to pull him up because it's going to help your team? And there's a big enough bonus to go. I'll sacrifice my own chances for the team here because he's got a chance of winning it. Or yeah, I think I, I'd love to see what this would look like. I, I think okay. I'm going to tweak what you're done. Okay. So I do like the idea of multi-races because if we look at Super League, it's one of the cool things about Super League. It's kind of mixing and matching it up a little bit. The four, you know, quarter Ironman over a day times four, something like mm. that, or over two days, something like that, where you've got some innovation. Mm. So you have got, you know, the short shoot, or there's incentives to make risky decisions, mm. you know, that potentially could pay off massively. But, you know, because that's what Super League do really well, isn't it? Mm. I actually like one of the, I, I like the idea of, I get what you're saying about not being location-based. Mm. But I love the idea of being a captain or a, or a team that represents, mm. but they don't not necessarily Europe versus the world. It might just be, 
don't know, you know, the 80s legends versus 90s legends versus 2000s legends. Mm. You know, you get, you get Melina, Aaron and Dave Scott, and then you get, who's the, who's the 90s legends? I'm a 2000s, 90s legends. Uh, Greg Welsh, just say, for example. Yep. Yeah. And then, then you get like Peter Reid and, mm. you know, uh, who, uh, Batman. Yeah. So, so you get the legends. Okay, we're going with this. So you get legends <laughs> from, each age, from each decade. Yeah. So there's three teams, maybe even four. You might go, you know, there might be four different teams or three or four teams, whatever. So legends from a certain time period. Because what's going to happen is… The legends aren't racing, they're managing. No, but, like, but that's who you're going to support. Right. You get what I mean? So yep. instead of it being the Mumbai Indians or the Canterbury Crusaders, it's mm. your team. Because someone like Louis Giuseppe, who is he going to support? Yeah, Molina's team. No. Molina's big time. Who are you going to mm. support? Probably the 90s team. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So what we're getting here is we're getting, you're, you're going to back, because you want to back your people. Because mm. we all come into the sport and we all think our time was the best time, which is bullshit. It's, you know, everything <laughs> evolves. And so you've got your legends who represent the team that you love. Mm-hmm. Then what we have is we have a number. I was going to go down the far away here. Then what you have is it is thinking on his feet here. It's dangerous. This is what I was going to say. Let's just have a race for the first draft pick, but age would kill that. So then what you do is you have a draft, Mm -hmm. and it is you know one, two, three, and there might be a system that are drawing out how you get your draft, Mm. and then it is so then the teams will be really even. Hmm. And then you would have, you know, then they've got the racing like you have talked about four I mean four quarters over a day. Got some cool innovation. But that's going to work because A, it keeps the history of the sport in. Hmm. B, you're going to get the legends you want to support. Like for me, I'm probably going to be more like if you've got a Mecca, Crowe and Chrissy team, hmm. I want to support that team because that's when I was in the sport. Hmm. And so that way we've, you have got a team you want to follow. We eliminate the European problem, which is probably the biggest problem at all because hmm. no matter what, based on the trying to be like the golf system, it's not never going to work. It's not happening. It's never going to be competitive. Your, your idea of four races over – you know, we're still doing, it's still. An iron distance. And it's still going to help endurance athletes. Because in race one or two, you might get the 70.3 guys killing it, but they might not have that endurance in the last mm. couple of races. The point system means that everyone's still going to do well in every race. Mm. So I think we've just answered it. Yeah. Bloody hell, they should hire us. Do so you like my idea about the, the legends of the decade? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I just. Somehow it can't be Europe versus everybody because they're just going to crush it. Well, and I just think because when we think about buy-in, because that's, that's what you're saying is you're saying like the Indian Cricket League, they still have the locals supporting. Mm. So we've mm. got to find ways to get buy-in. Mm. And I think that if you attach the buy-in to the legends of our sport at certain decades, because mm. you would, you'd go, you know, like I wasn't really in the sport in the 90s, so mm. I wouldn't care about the 90s team. Mm. You know, for me, it'd either be the 80s or the 2000s. Mm. You know? no, I think we've got it. I think nailed it. Yeah. Now, if this becomes the case, I want some money, <laughs> and we don't know about this. <laughs> I'm picking it's going to be the same as what we've had, but hopefully not. Yeah. I, well, I think with that, would you rather watch what we've just come up with? Or what oh, they're doing? Yeah. Yeah. Every day of the week, I would love to. I just think when you watch those um, Super League races now, granted, totally different distance. You watch the top guys how they are a bit strategic in the use of energy, and they're they're holding a bit back for that last race, or it's, it's, they all race it slightly differently. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're doing four quarter Ironmans, all that matters is the last one. And the good thing about it is, you know, if we go back to that kind of – because you could do it over two days. Mm. So it is a cool spectacle. Mm. You know, like it's a cool thing you'd be tapped into for a longer period of time. But and if you had that team aspect, I'm just saying if it was draft legal, and again, say you have someone like a who's just a little bit weaker swimmer off the back and you tell your team just drive it for the next 15 Ks and just try to eliminate that person from, from behind. One other thing you could do as well – is you get four different courses. 
Right, yeah. You know what I mean? If you can get the right spot, mm. like even Christchurch, like I, I know it's not going to mm. be Christchurch, but you could have a pretty flat course. You could, the, the swims are probably going to be all pretty similar, but you could have a course which is a good old-fashioned hard hillier course. And this is, this is what, when you just said that, it's like that's where the challenge lies, is finding somewhere you can do this sort of well, stuff. Well, you don't have to do that, but, mm. but you could find spots where, you know, mm. like you were talking about Nice. Mm. There's probably an option to do a flat 40K course. Mm. You know what I mean? Because if you're doing four quarters, you're not doing iron distance. Mm. And you can even just have laps, you know, a, a 10K lap, which got... So then we've got four different courses. Do it in reverse. Do it in reverse. Way. Yeah, do, mm. do do that kind of stuff. Got the innovation of point system within it. Have the uh, the Legends team, so we get attached to different Legends. I think we need to pad this out and actually get it down on paper. Mate, I, think, I, th- <laughs> I actually think market. next week they're going to be announcing <laughs> what we've just announced. I expect a phone call, John. Okay, this week's discussion. If you qualified for the World Long Distance Triathlon Champs and the 70.3 World Champs, which would you go to and why? And let's assume both of them are at cool venues and the travel is roughly the same. Okay. So if you qualify for the World Triathlon Champs. So it's Ironman versus World Triathlon. Okay. John's quiz question. When was the first Ironman Texas? No idea of the answer to this one. When was it? Okay, we'll come back to that later on. PTO. Now, John, I don't think we need to do both of these this week because we've already done 50 minutes. Okay. So, uh, so we'll, we'll just do this one. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll announce who my pro of the week is for next week because I did want to give this guy a bit of love. Is Robert Wilklewicki, who finished second at Ironman Texas this week. So I'm going to save him for next week because uh, he needs a bit of a mention. Okay, he's from Poland, so there you go. And I've okay. got a soft spot for Poles. He loves the polls. He loves, he loves his political polls. Yeah. Okay, John, John's <laughs> Coach's Corner. Yes, and slash John's you did a marathon road was a disaster. Yeah, I had a big plan. So we had a Christchurch marathon here the weekend before last. I was yep. away. Well, actually, I was driving to Kaiteri on that day. I was you were doing it. a bit of emceeing work with old Brian Ashby. He's a good guy, isn't he? Brian's a lovely guy. Great guy. I tell you what, if you want to do a cool marathon, Peter, Peter who stayed with me, is it Peter Colson? Have we got two Peter Colsons? No. Who was the Peter who stayed with me when, when Melissa, when we had the I'm Talk? Um, was it Pete Thouse or not? No, no, Pete Thouse, no. Hmm. Lovely guy. He stayed at my house. Yeah, and he came up and said hello. His wife came over and did the marathon. Yeah, tell you what, it's Christchurch marathon. The changes they've made. If you're looking to do a cool marathon in New Zealand, it was a, it was a four lapper. Yeah. Uh, it's a four laps ten k. I heard some good things about it as well from locals. And even the marathoners liked it. Yeah, they were doing the marathon. Yeah, well, because yeah. I thought four laps, we want to do four laps. Mm. But actually, the feedback was really cool. Um, so my, I wasn't going to do the run, um, but I planned to do a marathon when I was up in Kaiteri, and I was planning on running it at a, at a um, just pace. a little bit quicker than Ironman pace. What's your Ironman pace? Well, I was pitching to run 2.59 um, for this. I don't think I've got a three-hour marathon in me in road, so it's going to be a little bit quicker. I was thinking, if I have a really good day, what do you, maybe, what do you think maybe you're maybe 3.05 if everything goes according to plan. Okay. So I was running a three-hour marathon, and it was going okay uh, until – halfway and then it was it was still okay halfway um and then i'm sort of hit about 25 26k mark and my my glute had been tight before the run it was tightening and tightening and tightening and then my uh basically my knee gave out and um and i knew it wasn't going to be an injury as such that was going to necessarily prevent me from carrying on running um further down the track but i knew if i ran on that i'd be limping so basically i just couldn't take any pressure on my right leg oh, so i sure thought, you okay yeah i thought 
it got to 25, 26K, I thought, if I carry on like this, I'm really going to injure myself and then I won't be able to run and then I'll be buggered. So I did have to pull the pin. Um, but it got me thinking, a lot of people ask me this, is do you need to do a marathon in preparation for an Ironman? Uh, and there's quite a few caveats that you need yeah, to factor in. Yeah. Because it's how fast you run makes yeah, a difference. Yeah, and um, so first one is timing, you know, how far out you are from the event, we'll sort of cover that. Why you're doing it. Um, and you know, we often talk about the why we do things, and so that's that's quite important. And are you racing it, or are you doing it as a training run? So if if you're listening to this and you haven't done an Ironman yet, and you think you need to do a marathon, my first bit of advice would be you definitely do not need to do a marathon um, before you've done an Ironman. I, there's there's not a great deal of similarity other than you're covering 42.2 kilometres in both events, but running a hard marathon is not does not at all like what it's to run a marathon where you're just basically slogging along yeah. in a steady state and, and just kind of hanging in there. So I think if you have never done one before, I never did a marathon before my first Ironman. Uh, in fact... Yeah, well, hadn't you? Sorry? Hadn't you? No, I, I, I did my first Ironman in 2001. You were 2001. And I think my first marathon was 2007. But did you do a marathon in training? Uh no, probably not quite. Probably yeah. almost got that sort of distance. Um, but I just don't think it helps you in yeah. terms of... Especially uh, if you do a hard marathon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, key thing is, look, that's, that's a short answer, is I don't think you need to go and do them. Of course you need to go and do long runs and things like that. But uh, going, I've done a marathon, I'm feeling good about that, then I can go and do an Ironman, it's like, mm, not necessarily. Um, so the long answer is timing is the key. So I think if you're more than, if you're sort of more than 16 to 20 hours, 20 weeks out from your sort of peak triathlon performance, if that's going to be an Ironman, um, the, the pros of doing one in that period is it'll give you a great season, uh, off-season focus. So if, if I'm thinking I'm an American or a European and my target race is going to be in sort of August, September time, if you go and do one of the marathons like we've had London at the weekend. Do you see how fast that dude ran the second half? No, I don't, I don't know much about the race. Tell me about the it. He negative split the race. What did he do? So he, he ran, a, I think it was the second fastest time ever behind Kipchoge, um, but he negative split. He did 59 something in the second half. Oh, wow. So he went out in like a, a 101 or 102 and came home in 59 minutes. Wow. Can you, ima- can you imagine negative splitting any run? You know, a marathon of that distance. Yeah, that was insane How is he? it's it's um i don't even know his name i don't no. even follow the sport no, um but i just saw that and i thought that's mental and it, that, that marathon runners do that i remember watching paula radcliffe's progression when she set the world record and she did get faster and faster but it's just it's a concept that is foreign to almost everybody except top marathoners how fast is that it's, it's like 250s isn't it Two, oh, maybe yeah. 255 it's something i can't do for, for like Jesus i was talking to hamish last night i was running it's like i can run that pace for like 400 meters maybe so what did you say what do you say you ran 59 minutes for the second half um so i guess yeah the the big positives are uh gives you great off-season focus um it's going to improve your overall running if you do other races and it gives you a great running base before you sort of hit your main ironman build-up and whilst i'm saying you don't necessarily need to do a marathon before you do an ironman the mental mental side of running a marathon hard is uh, is good for you and it'll get you in that space where you're going i really hurt myself and that will help you what pace was it your 250s 250 that's mental that is mental <laughs> what's the cons <laughs> yeah so the cons is um 
I think some people get stuck in that habit. Maybe they do London or Boston every year and they go, this is just what I do. Um, But then potentially you might be missing out on what you could be doing over winter. So the opportunity cost of, say, doing a big uh, off-season focus on your cycling. Um, So pros are great gives you good focus gives you something to target gives you a great base um and but then the pro the cons are you don't focus on maybe some of the other areas that you should be that's so that's if you're sort of it's miles out from your big target event if you're sort of in that 10 to 16 window quite a few of those other those points above still apply you know it gives you good focus it gives you a race it gives you a good run base but then it's really going to start eating into your uh, cycle training if you're focusing on that marathon as is a really big target. Um, so, you know, I know personally and for a lot of athletes, if you're following a really heavy run program, it's going to be really difficult to hit that bike intensity. You can still get good volume out there and that's actually good for your, good for your recovery, but it's going to be a lot harder to do some uh, do FTP reps and things like that on the bike. So, if you're in that 10 to 16 weeks window, then you've got to be asking yourself, do I want to focus on this, ex- this exclusively or do I just want to incorporate it as part of my training? And so at the, Lund- at the Christchurch Marathon um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, I had a number of guys that I've been sort of helping with programs do it, but they were doing it at like half Ironman pace. Yep. So it was more of a, it's a right, good training day. Good training day, get to bang out a marathon, get to test a few different things, have a bit of fun, in our circumstances supporting a local race which is which is great it's not you know, if you're doing Boston or London you're not, probably not doing it to support the event yeah. I think they can get by okay without yeah, they, you yeah, they, <laughs> they're probably the numbers yeah. uh, so if you're in that 10 to 16 weeks my general advice would be yes good, good to go and do one yes to do a little bit of a build towards it but mainly probably doing it at like your half Ironman pace because the downside as well of if you do it hard uh, it's going to take some recovery and um, and also there is a chance of injury yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and at that period in your training, you really, your injury is one thing you're really trying to avoid. Mm. If you're inside 10 weeks, and so for us at the moment, you know, we're, I think we're, we're two months today. What's the date today? Two months today, Bevan, I think I'm doing rote. Jeez, really? I don't think I'm doing, I am doing rote in two months today. Uh, so for the guys that we had down here, you know, they were 10 weeks out from, from racing. Uh, so again, good time to do a, good time to do a marathon. But if you race that, it's probably going to take you out for, at least 10 days in terms of real intense training. Mentally, you don't know what sort of damage it's going to do you because if you if you really nuke yourself, um, it's going to be a lot harder to pick yourself up uh, in the next couple of weeks to do some really key sessions. So if you're inside 10 weeks running a marathon, definitely wouldn't be exceeding half Ironman effort uh, to, to go and do that. Running a marathon just as at, at sort of Ironman pace, probably not such a bad thing. Um, so yeah. You go. If you're thinking about doing a marathon, hopefully that's maybe helped you. Okay, out a so bit. a couple of questions because you know you said there are caveats, but we didn't really cover them. What if you're a five-hour marathoner? Then you've got to be careful. But I think it's it's a good opportunity to practice your run walk and figuring out a way that you're not going to be too smoked out at the other end. But five five-hour marathon, I don't, the, the intensity is a lot lower. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it's necessarily necessarily a bad thing to go okay. be going out and doing it. Um, who but, shouldn't do it? Who shouldn't do it? People that are highly susceptible to injuries, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and don't respond well to to volume. So, yeah, if if you're say for example you've got a bit of an arthritic knee or something yeah. like that, or funny Achilles, and going into the next your your Ironman, you know, getting through the run realistically, you're going those glory years. I was bloody yeah. running three and a half hours. Realistically, your objective in that run should be about getting through the run and trying to figure out a way you can do that effectively 
and probably the most effective way to do that is probably to bike, do some high intensity biking and just ticking over with your running. Uh, so somebody who's injury prone or dealing with aging or arthritic things like that, then, then those are probably the people that shouldn't be doing it. Mm. Okay, there you go. So if you do want to do a marathon in your training, uh, there's some really good advice. Let's let's do the bar. I think we can probably do the blast from the past. Blast from, from the past. past. This is I don't, I don't know this person at all, John. Isabel Mouton. So tell me about her. So she was uh, definitely from my era of racing. Uh, so She'd be in your team she, for the Connors Cup. She would have been in my yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah the nineties. So def- definitely a, a lady from from the nineties and. Uh, let me just get up my stuff here. So she was a, a French lady. Uh, she finished, she looked like she had a 10-year pro career, but that, that's I only go based that off the results I see in triathlon.org and also on the PTO page. Um, and she may well have been racing professionally before that, but uh, there was, wasn't a lot of results on the interweb before 1990. Uh, and we had, only had the first world championships in 1989, so I dare say she was probably racing at a pretty good level before that. Um, Ten-year pro career, two-time world ITU long-distance champion, um, and I did note that in 2000, she ran down Natasha Badman for wow. a victory, which was... In, and Badman was in, in her peak nice. then, wasn't she? About 2000, yeah. uh, I would have thought so. But I did find that a little bit a bit of a head-scratcher because uh, she went to the, she was going to the Sydney Olympics and to go and do a world long-distance champs, I think it was in June... And then to go and race in the Sydney Olympics in September, uh, that did seem like a little bit of a head scratcher, not kind of figuring out where you're, where you're at. So, uh, what else do I want to say about Isabel Mouton? She won uh, the Good Ball Games. Now, the Good Ball Games were kind of like a Commonwealth Games, weren't they? Uh, yeah, but it was basically sort of it was it was like a Russia kind of uni- unification type thing, trying to be everyone's friendly to each other. Uh-huh. But that, 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 that's about the extent that I know about the Good Ball Games. What I do know is it used to be really good money. Uh, oh, okay. And so it's a her, good, good field. Her to her to win that was, was so. Was it like field. it was like a common or like an event like an Olympics, and they actually got paid? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that because yeah. the Olympians don't get paid. Yeah, true. Well, I mean, you do by your national yeah, federation. Yeah, but you, 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 you pay there's to no, keep there, but there's you no get, prize money. It's funny, really, isn't it? Yeah. How would the Olympics be different if they got paid? It probably wouldn't be any different, but it's funny yeah. they don't get paid because it makes so much money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess they get paid indirectly because. The IOC funds a lot of the... Well, do they? It was created... Okay, so here we go. The Goodwill Games were an international sporting competition created by Ted Turner. He's the starter of CNN. Hmm. Big media mogul. Uh, in reaction to the t- political troubles surrounding the Olympic Games in the 80s, in 1979, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan caused US and other Western countries to boycott the Summer Olympics in Moscow, an act replicated uh, when the Soviet Union and other Eastern blocs um, didn't turn up to the... Summer Olympics in Los Angeles. So, like the Olympics, the Good Ball Games were held every four years, except with the final games. It's summer and winter component. However, unlike the Olympics, figure skating, ice hockey, short course speed skating, and other um, other parts of the editions weren't. The so Good Ball Games occurred five times between t- uh, eighty six and ninety one, uh, while the Good Ball Winter Games occurred only once. They were cancelled by Time Warner, which bought ownership of them in ninety six because of low television ratings. Hmm. There we go. So it was a little bit before our time in terms of watching it. So she won the 1994 St. Petersburg Goodwill Games. 
and a time of 2.09.35. And it's only got the top three. She beat out a uh, pretty close race. She beat out Rena Bradshaw Hill, who she raced for Australia and for New Zealand, um, beat her by 20, uh, 15 seconds. And Katie Webb from America was third, another 10, 10 seconds back from there. Let's see who won the boys' race that year, just out of interest. 1994. I wonder if it would have been Simon Lessing. Yes, it was Simon Lessing. Took it out uh, in front of Dmitry Gag and Alexander Mertzloff, the Russian. <laughs> that was when, obviously, before Russia had been... Well, it's got Dmitry Gag here listed as Russia. But he was from Kazakhstan. So I wonder when Kazakhstan broke away from Russia. Yeah, not too good. Uh, so anyway, back to Isabel Mouton. Uh, she also finished second in Hawaii in 1995, and that was the year when Karen Smyers won. Uh, and it was also the year that Paula Newby Fraser collapsed um, within sight of the finishing line. She had a whopping big lead and then uh, collapsed, sat on the side of the road for God knows how long. And uh, Karen Smyers went past her, Isabel Mouton went past her. And I don't know at what point that um, Fernanda Keller went past her. Fernanda Keller got third, nine hours 37.48. And Paul Newby Fraser walked across the line uh, six seconds later. So Fernanda, I think I actually now recall that. I think she was like literally in that last 10 or 15 metres before the finish line. And Fernanda Keller sort of snuck past her. And Paul Newby Fraser was, uh, was in a just a world of pain uh, <laughs> trying to get to the finish line. Uh, so she ended up finishing fourth. But Ismail Mouton didn't do a lot of iron distance racing from memory, um, but went to Kona that year and finished second, and it's the only result that I've got for her from Kona. And her final race that I could see in terms of on a professional side of it was the Sydney Olympics in 2000, where she finished in seventh place, which is pretty noteworthy when you become the world long distance champ one year uh, in that year, and then you also finish seventh at the Sydney Did you win many, I know you've only got really highlights here, but did she win many kind of racing in the ITU circuit? Oh, she was she was, she was big. Uh, she wouldn't say she won a huge amount of the World Cup triathlon events, yep. um, but let me just see here, because it'll have her, her summary. Uh, 76 starts, 36 podiums, 16 wins. Okay, that's pretty good. Then uh, uh, quite it's a few of those, quite a few of those are um, European Cup races. Okay. Um, but yeah, she was just she's always there or thereabouts. Um, so for example, 1998 Sydney World Cup Triathlon, she finished in third place. She's somebody you're always going to talk about, but she's generally not going to be beating like the likes of Emma Carney or Michaeli Jones. But she's going to be the so next in the best. 90s it was Carney. Jones, who was the, um, um, the lady who passed away, unfortunately? Um, Jackie. Jackie Gallagher, uh, and there was also Carol Montgomery. They were the rock that. stars with that. Yeah, and there was a few other Aussies and stuff, and, and she was kind of one of the best of the rest. Okay. Um, so yeah, very, very good athlete, and uh, did a you know, massive amount of her racing was in, was in Europe and in France. She was a bit of a legend. Also had a sister, Beatrice Mouton, who was, uh, again, probably the next tier down. Still a really good athlete. But you know, then you'd say Beatrice Mouton, maybe she'd be getting when her sister got third, she might be getting twelfth or something like that. Here's a question for you. Who are the greatest siblings in our sport? Uh, the Brownies. There you go. That was oh, easy yeah, to answer. Yeah, that was <laughs> but who's the next best? Well, you had the Moutons. You yeah, the, the, had early, the early the, on. The Pontos Pont sisters. Uh, outside of that, off have we had, a boy, have we had a, a boy and girl? Uh, not that I can think of. Off the top of my head, I've had a few, a lot of, uh, you know, parent-child yeah. people that have, that have done extremely well. Laurie Bowden um, rings rings a bell, but her mother was more of a very good age group and not necessarily a pro. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. Let's go to Wanger of the Week. That would be a good question of the week, actually, is uh, the best. Well, it is the Brownies. Sibling, the Brownies, yeah. Outside the Brownies. Mm. There would definitely be some more. Yeah, there definitely would be. Um, oh, the Raiders? Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah, that would be very good. Yeah. You know? um, I like that one because it was one I've never heard of and obviously it was a pretty decent athlete in New Zealand. Isabel, Isabel Mouton from France. Yeah, you picked the, you pick the um, winger of the week because I got an email. Kane picking. He's got here high legends. Was dubbed winger of the week in episode Love eight. how he calls us legends. Yeah, that, that's why he gets here. <laughs> if he had to put that one in it out. <laughs> I was dubbed the winger of the week in episode 866. I appreciate the love. You notice the ebbs and flows in my training. Just wanted to explain why. Here we go. Here's the excuses. <laughs> I suffer from an extremely aggressive autoimmune disease called um, Eucerovic colitis. Uh, it completely... Uh, dictates my life i feel great for a week and then horrible for a month i think a lot of my strava profile is not visible to you because i do in fact ride and run a lot on elevation i'm currently in a three weeks out from ironman hawaii and aiming to do a sub 10 despite my difficulties so when's i'm in hawaii i'm in australia, australia. Australia. australia yeah so good luck in australia kane and good luck with your your condition obviously makes it pretty challenging to do what you're doing. In fact, you're doing an Ironman means you're a bloody legend. Yeah. So you get to be a legend with us legends. Exactly. So who's our winger, John? It is number, the first try is going to be number 75. Oh, yep, Greg Bassam. He uh, was used to reside in Christchurch. He's a, a pom, um, but he lives over here at 14 hours and 15 minutes of training. Uh, I do remember Greg because I used to run this duathlon series. Well, I still run the JD duathlon series. And didn't have a clue who this dude was, and he rocked up and he beat old Axel in this race. Oh, so he's a good athlete. And it was like a run, bike, run, bike, run. Yep. Uh, this was quite a long. This was probably like ten years ago. Okay. I was thinking, geez, someone's beaten Axel. That's pretty solid. Uh, and Greg Bassam is a very solid athlete. No, I see week. nothing on his account. So okay, he did an hour and nine minutes last week in the pool. Two hours fifty four on the bike. A whopping ten hours and eleven minutes uh, on the run. Uh, currently residing, by the look of it, up in. Bay of Plenty in Tauranga, uh, so good on Greg Bassam. And I, the other thing I recall about Greg is we were doing the root burn, which is, argue, I would argue, and I haven't done all the great walks in New Zealand, um, but probably my favourite so far, uh, but we were walking through on day two and he was running through with a group and they were just doing the reverse direction in one day. Good on them. Oh, there you go. So Greg... Uh, Greg Basson, you are our winger of the week. Okay, now we don't have my show notes. Where do I put them? Yeah, they are. I was saying this yesterday. I felt sorry for, for Hamish Wall, who probably would have been the number one on the wanger list uh, the week before last. We've got these bloody runners and stuff in our group and these people that are like doing, some dude did 49 hours of running last week. It's like, how, what do you have to do to get to the top of our Man, That's board? what it takes. You know, you want to be the champion, you go through the yards. Second place at 42 hours. What did Hamish Wall do? Uh, he did quite a lot. It was the week before last, so I'm not quite sure. We did quite uh, a lot. What was he training for? Uh, he wrote, challenge wrote. Okay. He's, he's heading over with you, is he? Yeah. Okay, quiz question. When did Ironman Texas first come to the triathlon world? Texas. I'm going to say it's, it's a newish race, isn't it? Yeah. You know, probably last 10, probably 10, 15 years. Yeah. I'm going to say... 23 now. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 10 years. No, no, I'm going to say 2011. Uh, I am going to go 2012. 
I'm going to go to try racing. Yeah, because we now, can find we, it. Uh, they, I know that they got can, got cancelled one year. I think. Yeah, but let's just say when it started. Yeah, when, it started. when it was the first. So I'm going to go to uh, try racing, and this is this is only going to tell us if it was a pro race or not. Um, when it was, uh, bear with, bear with. I'm in Texas. Bear with, bear uh, with. Uh, okay. Okay. Have, 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 have pause button. Bear okay. With. Pause. I'm pausing. Okay. Who got it? <sighs> Don't get it. Pains me to say. <laughs> yeah. But in 2011, Nico Lanos won the race. Nico Lanos, he's a legend. 808.20, and Kat Morrison uh, took out the females she race. Was, she was an Irish girl, wasn't she? Uh, did we interview her in Kona? Was that Kat Morrison? We did. She Red was. Uh, was she Irish or was she Scottish? She was lovely. Maybe Scottish. Scottish. Yeah. Uh, Kat Morrison took it out in 857. So only 49 minutes. So you'd say advantage females potentially on that one there. Um, yeah, so they yeah they, they, they keep going. I was wrong. Bevan Doherty won it in 2014. Went through to Patrick Lang and won it in 2016. 2019, they didn't have it in 2021, obviously because yeah, of COVID and stuff. So that, that's just in terms of try rating. I presume they wouldn't have had an addition before that. If they did, feel free to email us. But uh, Nico Lanus took it out in 2011. And the course record, which probably got broken at the weekend, Patrick Nielsen was 7 hours 50 on the boys' side. And Danielle Reef was 8.37. So I think both those records went at the weekend. No, I don't think the female did. Maybe she was 8.39. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Sonia. Oh, let's talk about it. Oh, swim set. Did you, did you swim? Oh, they did. They did actually break it. Cat Matthews went eight thirty two. Okay. And on the boys, he went seven forty four. So yep. yeah, both course records. Yep. Uh, haven't swum yet, but I am going to go to the pool later on, and we're going to do. Oh, midday swim. One o'clock swim. The pool's how, open. How do you often do a midday swim? Not very. Do you Not like very. a midday swim? Um, I shall tell it's you later on. Getting your, getting your lunch ready. Yeah, uh, I'm going to do 25 100 steady. Uh, nice to do a nice steady swim. God, what distracting wife. Yeah, what's she doing? She's making, yeah, a, lot, making a lot of noise back there. Look at that cat. <laughs> 25 100 steady. It's always good to do a nice steady set. Uh, and it's going to be just trying to get sort of five, about five to seven seconds rest and just banging out sort of around about Ironman pace. Got to say, swimming up in Kiteria at the weekend, water was beautiful. Oh, really? So warm. Um, no, it's it. I did swim out to the boys with no wetsuit. When we were doing our swimming, I reckon it was 17 degrees. There's no way in hell I'd be getting in the water around Christchurch at the moment. Anyhow, uh, there we go. I got to say thank you to our amazing patrons. Uh, now I've lost my bloody page. Okay, Sonia, Brace Girdle, The Glue, or is it Walt? And Walt, her husband, they came up here. We did a podcast here. That's right, yep, yep. I wonder if she's still racing. Uh, Scott Morrison, the minister, or the minister Scott Morrison, and the admiral... Nick Rose. Okay, John, if you want to become a patron of the show, go www.imtalk.me. Uh, go to the part where it says become a patron, support the boys and what we do by bringing great content to your triathlon week each week. Uh, you should also get the show emailed to you at the bottom of the front page. Joy Coach John Newsom for coaching or epiccamp.com for epiccamp. But you've sold out. You sold out. Uh, yeah, I was, I was still taking inquiries for France next year, um, but it's uh, it's all looking really good to go and do the Alpdoise triathlon. How many did you take? Uh, 25. Why can't you just turn it on five? Uh, just, you just start to lose it if you start to have more than that. The 25 is the perfect number, is it? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just, you just start, you don't get to know each other yeah. and yeah, you can, you can always be greedy, but then it just makes, makes things not difficult. not greedy at all. I'm not greedy. 
No. Makes makes things difficult. Makes my life difficult. We don't want that. No, John wants as easy as possible. Uh, if you want to do anything, I have anything to do with it. It's bevanjamesoz dot com. Uh, for age group of the week, cool websites, anything else. I'm talkpodcast at gmail dot com. John, you goss. Just like the side man, Texas field the first three didn't race on the boys' side. My goss, uh, well, no, Joe Skipper DQ uh, DNF, Mike, Matt Hansen DNF, and Chris Leafman didn't make the start line. Mm. Uh, my goss was his way for a week in Kaiteri. That was always nice. Had a bit of precipitation up there, which was a little bit frustrating. Um, had some good training. Found uh, a new fantastic bike loop. So oh. look out for the. How far is that? Uh, it's conveniently around about half Ironman distance. Oh, great! So look out for. It's got Kaiteri. beautiful riding up there. Oh yeah. Look out for a criteria race at some stage in the future. Oh, really? Figure out a few things. Oh, yeah, it'll be wicked. Really, really cool. The only problem is just the road in and out of criteria, the place we go to. Yeah. It's, it's okay, but you'll get a little bit of traffic backed up. But I don't think it'll be too bad. So we'll see. Oh, might, so start and finish in criteria. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I think I think it'll work. So look out for that because that will be a lovely race. Uh, Bevan, this weekend I'm going to ride the furthest I've ever ridden over in two days. Oh, you're doing, you're doing the, the, We're doing our coast to coast ride. I'll talk about it next week, but it's basically riding from our beach. We're in Sumner uh, all the way across to the water on the other side of the island. It's 255 kilometres with a shitload of hills in the middle of it. You basically have... 70 k's of flat, gentle uphill. You know, you are climbing, but it's uh, sort of not noticeable other than chopping a kilometre or two hour off your speed and then just grinding through some pretty tough hills for sort of probably the middle 100 kilometres or so. And then uh, then you've got about another 60 or so on, on 60 or 70 on the other side. Uh, it's going to be pretty epic. We stay, we, we're going to be leaving at, you know, first group will go at 5.30 in the morning. So wait a second, you're right there one day, come back the next day? Yeah. And so you have to start at 5.30, starting in the dark, probably riding in the dark for an up to t- hour and a half to two yep. hours. And then fin- some people will be finishing in the dark. I'll, I'll hopefully get in just before dark. Um, but I'm picking... So what you think it's going to take about 12 hours? Uh, well, it'll be, I'm, I'm picking 10 hours ride time. Yep. Um, but with stops, it'll be 11 to 11 and a half. How many people are doing it? Um, well, they're, they're shrinking by the day. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had. I'm uh, keen. Oh, actually, I'm not keen. Well, no, we had. A, we had. A, we've got a. Really, we've still got a good group, but we had two crashes at the weekend. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, and so they're out, and there's COVID. There's a lot of COVID around Christchurch at the moment. Uh, so I think we'll end up with about twenty-ish riding, um, but three groups, quite a quite a wide variety of abilities. So that's going to be a fun weekend. Weather's looking Who's support? okay. Uh, we've got uh, Gail Harvey Haywood. Oh, yeah. going to be driving one. Dr. Phil with Dave Wan's going to be doing a little bit of support and then uh, Ken O'Rourke and his wife uh, in the other van. And where you stand? Top 10. Oh, I can't be the top 10. Top 10? It's not bad. It's a good top 10 actually. Greymouth top 10. A good, good, good yeah, place. I stayed in top 10 with the coast to coast over there. That's where I stayed. Mm. Or would you be you might no. be Hokitika? Hokitika. Yeah. No. No, we weren't Hokitika, were we? No, because the start's just up the road. It's Greymouth, oh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah true. Yeah, it's a great top 10. Yeah. And yeah. no, this year, because previously I was at Pleb. Mm. So I got a room, which is just a bed. Yeah. You know, a bed and a table. That yeah, was it. A cabin, yep. This year, I got a bathroom. Got a TV. TV. Yeah. A, a table. Did you have to share with anybody though? No. No. Well, in kitchenette. Mm-hmm. Studio. I got the studio. Nice. John. What are you getting? Uh... I think I'll be in something similar, sort of a two bedroom. But they've got they've got some nice, a little bit of advice. They've got some nice apartments down the end that are quite quite nice. Yeah, I was up high. Mm. Yeah, that's where I was. Mm. High class for me, I tell you. Uh, what's happening? Uh, what's another goss? No, we just had a good time. And as it turned out, Belinda got COVID um, oh, when no. she was sick, and she didn't test positive for three days, despite testing a lot. And she was 
KO'd. Oh, really? Big time. Oh, really? Yeah. So when you get you COVID it? badly. Yeah, I had hardly anything. I just had a bit of I a I still sniffle. haven't had it. Oh, really? No. I'm going to get my booster this week, I think, or next week. I haven't even been sick. Mm. There was one time I was a little bit sick. I thought I'd give a test, and I had a test, and nothing happened. Mm. So touch wood. Um, well, John, we went down to Queenstown mm-hmm. for the weekend. Went long weekend. Well, kind of long weekend in Christchurch in New Zealand. So we thought we'd go down to Queenstown, and we had a lovely. We did a walk called Mount no, Lake Muck Munt Munt. Just mm-hmm. about ten minutes out of Queenstown. Beautiful walk. Mm-hmm. Really highly recommend. Never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Still haven't. <laughs> yeah, nice. I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> Is it M-U-K Moke? Moke? Something like that. Um, but then the highlight, John, because mm-hmm. it was the Arrowtown Autumn Festival. Right. Have you been down there at that time of year? Leaves change colour. It's pretty beautiful. It is Arrowtown. It's a pretty beautiful place. Yep. Yeah. And so, because um, we, we always go down for the marathon in Christmas time, but we've never been at this time of year. And Joe's sister lives in Arrowtown, mm-hmm. and she works at the museum. So we, mm-hmm. we, were, we were kind of part of the high life of Arrowtown. Mm-hmm. Went to a, a museum opening with art gallery thing. Mm-hmm. So got to look at some art and mm-hmm. go, oh, I like the shapes of those colours. Mm-hmm. And then, but the highlight, John, because they have a parade mm-hmm. in Arrowtown. Mm-hmm. And guess who got to be in the, one of the floats? Oh, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Joe and me. Yeah. And so we, 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 we kind of, our, our hotel was about 10 minutes up the road. So we were driving. And I said, babe, we don't have to go there early. Arrowtown, chocker. Mm. Luckily, Joe's sister is here because she couldn't get a car park. Mm. Get on there. We were part of the Arrowtown Museum's float. So we had an old tractor mm-hmm. and then this old kind of pickup thing. Uh, and the, what they were doing is the, the ages of Arrowtown. So they had like a miner, an old farmer, uh, <laughs> a lady in old-timey gear. Yeah. And then right through to marathon runners because right. the marathon goes through Arrowtown. Yeah. So Joe and I, we were dressed up as runners on this float. Right. And... You start off, you're kind of in the park and you're not really sure how many people go on the road. Chock a blockage on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like people everywhere. Oh, good. It's a strange thing to do. Have you been in a parade? Can't say I have. It's a strange, like, imagine if you're doing dancing or you're singing or you're. You're just sitting there waving. You're just sitting there waving, John. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, you know me, I, I'm committed. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be shy. I'm waving. Do you have all anything way. to hand out or anything like that? No, no? because no, John, you won't like this. You're not allowed to throw lollies nowadays. Oh God, health and safety. Oh. Yeah. So, so, so oh, kids man. walked around and handed out lollies. So there were lollies given. Yeah, but you can't throw them. Scone some, you little shit. Give me a wave. <laughs> so, uh, so I. You're just you're, you're just doing this. The hands were in this probably thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. Just doing this. He's waving, by the way, smiling. Yeah. And uh, the key, John. What do you reckon the key is? Swap arms. Oh no, I didn't do that. But I did get quite a few walking keys. Mm-hmm. You know, my yeah. watch. No, the key is find kids. Right. Because adults, the occasional adult will give you a smile. Mm. Very occasionally they'll wave back. Mm. The rest of you looking at adults, you just feel like a total fool. Yeah. But you see a kid, you wave, and they're happy to see you. Oh, you go. So there you go. So life experience, Bevan in a parade. Well, you've made it. <laughs> yep. You've Years ago, it. I was going to do the Christmas parade, but Christchurch Christmas parade, because mm-hmm. these meals were going to have a float. Mm. And uh, it never came through. But mm. so now that's, I've ticked one of life's big things off. You know, if you need a parade tip from me, come see me. Well done. Yeah. People doing this wave, I did this wave. Yeah. 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 Get the wrist quite rusty. Yep. Yeah, quite, quite rusty. Quite rusty. <laughs> <laughs> good at the hat. Yeah. Anyway, let's wrap it up, John Boo. Iron Russ. I'm in, don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. <laughs>